Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning. It's indeed a pleasure to be back here. Uh, the fact that I got a second opportunity to come back here uh, means I shouldn't take anything for granted. So thank you, uh, Pastor Mark, for the opportunity to come back here. Some things have changed. Uh, I saw the uh, introduction there. It says we have six grandchildren. Well, that is no longer correct. Now we have seven grandchildren since the last time we came. God blessed, yeah, our family with uh, little Amara, uh, Lade, Olarewaju. So we thank God for, for her. She's doing very well. Both baby and mother are doing fine. Thank God for that. Don't take any, uh, anything for granted in this day and age, especially with the covid uh, doing what it's doing in our society out there. Again, thank God for the safety uh, coming in this morning. I wasn't aware, I didn't check the weather to know what the weather was going to be like. So it was a little kind of surprising when I looked out the window and it was all white again. I said, uh-oh, uh, we're already on the road. When I said, well, I forgot to check my phone. Maybe Pastor Matt sent me a message to say service canceled. So while we were on the road, I got my phone, I gave it to my wife, I said, please check. And yes, there was a message from him. I said, oh, so what is he saying? He said, well, I hope you guys will make it safely. <laughs> said, well, he's not canceling. Instead, he wants assurance that, yeah, I'm still coming. All right. And just before we got here, there were about six vehicles on the road, and we were the second the first vehicle ahead of us began to skid. Uh, the driver almost lost control of the vehicle, but eventually we got back on the road, and thank God we made it in safely. All right. The topic I have uh, chosen this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. The modus operandi, or the M.O. of the Great Commission. We are all familiar, probably even too familiar, with this passage and the Great Commission. That is the text of our message this morning. Shall we bow our heads uh, in prayer? 
Our Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we thank you for your spirit. As we meditate upon your word this morning, Father, I pray that your spirit will open our eyes and help us to behold the wondrous truth, the wondrous command and imperative from your word. And help us to be obedient. For Christ's sake. Amen. It was at the end of a revival meeting in a typical Baptist church. Now, if you know anything about a Baptist church, you cannot preach a message in a Baptist church without making an altar call. And so it was a typical Baptist church revival meeting. After the message, the preacher gave an invitation, if anyone wants to receive Christ, this is the time to come forward and become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. There was a lady who sat there and whispered to the person next to her, and she said, my great-grandparents were Baptists. My grandparents were Baptists. My parents are Baptists. I'm a Baptist, and no one is going to make a disciple of Christ out of me. Now, this shows the risk of us in an attempt to fulfill the Great Commission. We Christianize people instead of making them disciples of Christ. There's a difference between being Christianized and being made a disciple of Jesus Christ. This lady has been made a member of a church, but not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. True discipleship is more than church membership. It is a lifestyle of obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. As we look at this passage this morning, especially looking at this text in the English, various English translations, if I were to ask you, how many commands do you see in the passage? If you look at it carefully again, how many commands, how many imperative do you see from verse 16 to verse 20, especially reading the English translations? Actually, there are two commandments or two imperatives if you look at this passage in the English. The first command we see there is go. And the second is make disciples. But that is as far as the English translation goes. If you look at this passage in the original, in the Greek, there is only one command. The command is not go. The real commandment in this passage is make disciples. So the great commandment is not going, but rather it is make disciples. Now, surrounding this imperative, this command, are three participles. Now, if you remember your, your grammar from grade school, a participle 
is a qualifier that tells you or describes the action. So Jesus says to his disciples after his resurrection, make disciples. How are they to make disciples? Now he gives them three participles describing how they are to make disciples. So the first participle in the original here is the word go. So Jesus is saying, as you go, make disciples. The second participle is baptizing. So how are they to make disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And finally, how are they to make disciples? By teaching them. So three ways. One imperative, but three ways to fulfill this imperative. Make disciples by going. Make disciples by baptizing. And finally, make disciples by teaching. So first, let us look at verse 19. There it says, Therefore, go and make disciples. That is the English. If I were to render it properly, I would say, Therefore, as you go, make disciples. That is a more literal translation will be, as you go or ongoing, make disciples. Now, looking at this passage in this perspective helps us to see how Jesus Christ was anticipating the fact that the disciples very soon are going to be scattered. They are going to be persecuted as believers. And so Jesus is preparing them to say, yes, you guys are going to be persecuted by the authorities, by the establishment, and you're going to be scattered in Jerusalem. You're going to be scattered out to uh, the whole of Judea. You're going to be scattered into Samaria and to the farthest ends of the earth. You are going to be scattered. So as you go, as you are scattered, make disciples. Be making disciples even as you are scattered all over Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So looking at this passage in this perspective helps us to understand that Jesus is saying to the disciples in anticipation that they, very soon they are going to be scattered, persecuted, that as they go, the going is taken for granted. You guys are going to go whether you like it or not. So as you go, make disciples. Now if we read this passage in this light, it helps us also to avoid the error of seeing the task of making disciples as the exclusive responsibility of the twelve or as the exclusive responsibility of a group of people we call missionaries. You see, many times we think that the making of disciples, the uh, mission responsibility of the church belongs to a group of people gifted or called to be missionaries, either home missionaries or foreign missionaries. So they, are, they have the responsibility, those people call missionaries, to make disciples, while the rest of us have the responsibilities to make money to support them. 
But that is not the pattern. That is not the vision or the responsibility Jesus left for the church. Jesus is saying to the whole church, it doesn't matter who you are in the church. It doesn't matter what your gift or your responsibility is. Jesus is saying, as you go, we all are to be involved in the task of making disciples. All disciples are to go out and make new disciples. Now, as long as they are moving around, regardless of the occasion of their movement, regardless of the purpose of their movement, regardless of the season of their movement, they are expected to make disciples. So we see that in the early church, some of the early disciples were going as fishermen. So as they go as fishermen, Jesus expects them to make disciples of other fishermen. Some of them were going as tent makers. Paul and his uh, team members went out as tent makers. So they were making tents to sustain, I mean, uh, uh, themselves, while at the same time they were making disciples. And in that group was somebody who was not a tent maker, but he was a physician, Luke the physician. So he also went as a physician at the same time making disciples. In Acts chapter 19, you remember when Simon the tanner, he was the one that God asked to uh, receive Saul of Tarsus, when he became a Christian, or he had an encounter with Christ. Now, he was described as Simon the Turner. He was a businessman. Now, so he also, as he went about his business, he was supposed to make disciples. So you see, the responsibility of making disciples, the imperative is equally the responsibility of every member, every disciple of the body of Christ. It is not the exclusive responsibility of a group of people called missionaries or evangelists. It is the sole responsibility of every member of the body of Christ. There is no civilization that, is, that has been on the go more than the current civilization you and I are living in. We, of all people, since, since God created this earth, we, of all of God's creation, have been on the move more than any other civilization. When Christ was speaking to the disciples at this point in time, they could only move on the land and on the sea. Today, we can move in the air, on the land, on the sea, under the sea, submarines, and we can even move in cyberspace. So you see, there's so many other ways we can be on the go today. And the Lord says, it doesn't matter your mode of going. But as you get out of the house and you, you, you are on the go, don't leave behind the imperative to make disciples. However you are going, wherever you are going, Whatever the manner of your going, as you go, make disciples. It doesn't matter what your business is. 
The imperative applies to you as well. As to the missionary, the evangelist, the pastor, anybody who is in full-time ministry. So it doesn't matter. I try to tell my students that it is a good thing that you attend a Christian college. Because it gives you the opportunity to know scriptures, to know what you believe. To have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that as you go out, either you are a pilot or you are a chemist. It doesn't matter what your calling is in life. You are expected to know what you believe and to know why you believe it and make disciples of others wherever you are in the business world. Today we see, therefore, that some of us are going out daily as teachers. Some of us are going out as nurses, technicians, cashiers, builders, contractors. The imperative remains valid for you, regardless of your profession, regardless of how you go. The Lord says, as you go, make disciples. Make disciples as you go. Most of us are going today electronically or digitally via the social media, reaching our communities and reaching uh, the world. I mean, the world has become a small village because we have on our hands that little device where we can reach the ends of the earth without making any, uh, any, taking any literal journey. We can reach the ends of the earth. It was said of Billy Graham, after 50 years of full-time ministry, Billy Graham was able to reach about 200 million people. 50 years, 200 million. Now, do you know that you and I today, we have in the palms of our hands or in our pockets that little device. We can reach 200 million people in one month today. You as an individual can reach 200 million in a month. It took Billy Graham 50 years plus, but you can reach 200 million in one month. The question is, how are you going with that device in your hand or in your pocket? Are you using that device to make disciples? Or is it just for fun? Great opportunity you and I have today to make disciples. It doesn't have to be the old traditional way of going to knock on doors and give out the tracts and witness. That is one way. But we have so many ways today, especially in this, I mean, with all these technologies, you and I can make disciples as we go electronically, digitally. Make disciples. Now, are you putting in a text for Jesus even as you go electronically? Are you putting in a word for Jesus? The second thing he says is, make disciples, how? Baptizing them. Now, the basic meaning of the word baptize, or I mean, uh, uh, the meaning of the word disciple is a learner. A disciple is a learner. Somebody who 
Today we call him or her a student. Now when someone applies to be a student in a university or a college, you have to go through a rite of passage. After somebody who applies to go to a college is given the admission, you have a letter of admission, then the school invites you on a day, there's going to be a matriculation. Matriculation is a rite of passage to become officially declared publicly as a student of a university. So they give you your cap, they give you your gown, and you come in, uh, you march in, and you sit down, and there's a ceremony to officially welcome you, having been admitted into the community of that student as a learner. Now, when Jesus says to his disciples, make disciples, how? By baptizing them. He says, you are to matriculate them. These people are now going to be students, learners of Jesus Christ. So they need to go through the rite of passage called baptism so that they can be matriculated into a life of studentship of Jesus Christ, to be learners of Jesus Christ. So the first thing is, a disciple learns, you see, Jesus says, uh, a true disciple, a learner of Christ, through baptism, which is referred to as the rite of passage, this baptism or matriculation is sealed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, if you are given admission, until you are matriculated, until you go through that rite of passage, you don't belong in the school. You have to have a letter of admission and then publicly go through the rite of passage, declaring now to the world that you are now a member of that community. The same thing. Jesus says, as you go and make disciples, don't forget to matriculate, to baptize them so that you give them the opportunity to declare through that rite of passage that they have come from death and have been raised through baptism with Christ unto life. So give them the opportunity to show to the world by that rite of passage that they have come from death to life. And now, they are learners in the school of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us have been baptized. But we don't have a letter of admission. You remember the story of the lady who said her family members, everybody was a Baptist, and nobody was going to make a Baptist of her because, I mean, make a disciple of her because she's, she's been a Baptist all of her life. Now, there are many of us like that who are members, members of the church, the local church, but we are not disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm a member of a church, but are you a disciple? You see, Jesus did not command, uh, command his 
his followers to go and make members of a Mennonite church, to go and make members of a, a Presbyterian, Baptist, or whatever. That was not the command. He said, make disciples, not members. We have put so much emphasis on church membership today. And we have left the imperative to make disciples. The emphasis. I mean, in some churches, and I've been part of some of those churches, where church membership is far more important than being a disciple. In one of such churches, I contribute my offering. I do everything, but I cannot vote. They said, because I'm not a member. I said, yes, but I'm a disciple. That's not enough. You have to be a member. But there are members who are not disciples. They vote. They have a voting right. I am not a member. I don't have a voting right. But I'm a disciple of Christ. Now you see, you see where our priority is? He did not say go and make members. He said go and make disciples. Finally in verse 20, the Lord says, and teaching them, make disciples, how? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now we need to look at that carefully. He says, Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. If, you. if you analyze that carefully, that verse carefully, you ask yourself, okay, there is an imperative there. I mean, uh, he says, make disciples, how? By teaching them. Now, what is the object? What is the immediate object of teaching? He says, teaching them. What are you supposed to teach them? Now, we need to be careful about that. He says, teaching them to observe. So the immediate object of the teaching is to obey. Teach them to obey. Now you know what has happened? We have taken the emphasis away from teaching them to obey. We have shifted it now to teaching them doctrines. So the important thing we teach today is doctrines. But Jesus says, the immediate emphasis is teach them to obey. First is obedience. Let them know how to obey. So you want to make disciples? Discipleship is not a matter of indoctrination. It is a matter of obedience. Teach them to obey, to know how to obey. Then the commandments, what Jesus, that is just a qualifier. What are we supposed to teach them? Obedience. So what are they to obey? All right. What I have commanded you. So what I have commanded you is only a description of their obedience. The kind of obedience. So you see, the important thing is, if you want to make disciples, first, you have to be Somebody who 
is living a life of obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. That is the best way to make a disciple. You teach them by your lifestyle. You see, I live a life of obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. That is the best way to make a disciple of some other person. It's like saying, hey, see how I live. In a world that you and I live today, there's a great, so many great divides. There is the sacred uh, and secular divide in our society. There is the church and state divide in our society. And this, this divide is getting wider and wider even by the day. And so it becomes very difficult for disciples of Christ to make disciples of others. Because once you open your mouth to say something, you say, oh no, uh, there is separation of church and state. You cannot talk about religion in the workplace. You cannot talk about religion uh, and public transport. You can they make it so difficult for us to make disciples. But you know something? You and I can still make disciples by the way we live our lives. Without even saying a word. It was said of St. Francis of Assisi. He says... Preach the word. And if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. In other words, let the essence of your preaching be your lifestyle. And if necessary, because some people are hard of hearing, they may not hear the gospel when you leave it out. Then he says, if necessary, use words. But let it be a making of disciples that flows from our lifestyle. As they see the way we live. And they will say, hey, what makes you tick? I want to be like you. How come you are having joy? How come you are not afraid in the midst of a pandemic? What is it that makes you tick? Then you can say, okay, look, this is the secret of my life. Obedience is so critical that our Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, Jesus says, then keep my commands. Obedience equates love for Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 23 of the same chapter, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. So you see, in Christ's economy, love, or I mean obedience, equates love. If you love him, you will obey. 
his commandments. So it's very critical that we live out the commands of Christ, a life of obedience. And that way we are showing our love for him. And not only will they know that we are his disciples, but they will desire to be, I mean, to want to be like us. Like I said, there are so many ways today you and I, we live in a uh, uh, fast-moving electronic age, so many opportunities we can make disciples for Jesus Christ. Take, uh, let me suggest a few non-traditional ways we can make disciples. Today, there are so many ways you can be creative. You can wear caps. You can wear T-shirts. I mean, so many things you can wear. Wear your testimony. Show them. I mean, put a scripture on your T-shirts, on your cap, or whatever. Use all of these to show that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is a non-traditional uh, way to make disciples for Jesus Christ. So wear your, wear your faith. Another way we can make disciples is through uh, social media space. Use the social media space as your pulpit. There you can text, you can say all kinds of things, put in Christ first, showing your faith, showing your obedience to Jesus Christ. Let your social media space be your pulpit. Nobody can stop you from using your social media space to preach the gospel, to make disciples. Why don't you decorate your space? Decorate your space, that is your home, your car, your office, your table. All of these areas are, are, are spaces that belong to you and you can put Christian things there to show the person that you serve. So these are opportunities. We, we don't have to be bashful. Instead, we need to be bold to let them know that, hey, look, this is my space and I want to decorate my space to let you know who is Lord in my life. And listen to Christian music. You see, the kind of music you listen to tells somebody else who you are. I mean, if you listen to a, a, a sermon or a message, yes, they know. But the music you listen to tells people also the kind of person you are. So, say for example, if you're giving somebody a ride in your car, there's nothing wrong in you intentionally choosing a Christian music that will be a witness, a testimony to that person. I mean, you plan it in such a way, yeah, okay, this person will be getting a ride in my car. Intentionally, I'm going to choose a music that will be a testimony or a witness, a challenge to that person. So you can use your space and the music you play within that space to witness to somebody else. And many times some of us eat in the restaurant, we go out to eat. It's a little bit difficult to do so now, but you see, going out to eat in the restaurant is another opportunity to witness to people. I mean, when they come to serve you, you can say, okay, well, after the meal is served, you want to pray. We don't have to be ashamed to let even uh, uh, the wait waitress or whoever know, that, okay, thank you very much. First, we want to, we want to give thanks. I mean, without doing it hypocritically, 
It's a, it's a way to witness. You are doing it just to say, hey, look, we have a Father in heaven who has provided this food, and therefore we want to thank him. So there are, these are just a few of many ways we can, as we go, we can make disciples in ways that are non-conventional. Now, uh, in a very hostile and sinful world, it is not easy to make disciples. But you see, that is why this passage ends with a promise. Christ assured the disciples, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. Therefore, in light of the fact that he has all the authority, yes, the world may be hostile. He said, don't be afraid. Be bold. And yet humble. And know that he has promised that he's going to be with us. He's sending us out to make disciples in a hostile world. But he's assured us that he has all the authority in heaven and on earth. And therefore, he is going to be with us. Many times we claim this promise. The Lord has said he's going to be with us. All authority belongs to him. He will be with us. But don't forget the context. This promise is given in the context of make disciples. If you are not obeying the imperative, the command, then you don't have the right to claim the promise. Make disciples. But yes, as you go, the Lord has promised that his presence with all the authority will go with you. So, however you go this week, however we go this week, let us go forth boldly and humbly making disciples for our Lord and King. Amen?